Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's topic, we want to remind you that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode or ideas for future episodes, please contact us. And there are two easy ways to do easy ways to do that. You can email us at ignition at sfcatholic.org. Again, ignition at sfcatholic.org, or you can tweet to us at sfdiocese, use the hashtag ignition. Again, at sfdiocese, hashtag ignition. Uh, Father Dickinson is continuing his 30-day retreat, not participating, but directing. Um, and so we have a, a, a new guest co-host, an irregular guest co <laughs> I've got regular guest co-hosts, and I've got irregular guest co-hosts. Abnormal and normal, maybe? Well, that's one way to talk about it. I'm um, here with Joe Rutten. Hi, Joe. How we doing? Doing well. So, um, Joe, well, actually, I'm going to let Joe introduce who he, actually, we're going to talk a little bit, we're going to talk about you. I think oh. it's your favorite subject. Oh, really? Well, nice. that sounds great. I uh, guess pride must be my <laughs> my number one sin. I, I didn't. I didn't say that. So, uh, we'll, we're going to spend some time introducing who Joe is and and how he's um, how he's gotten to the place where he is sitting across from me right now. And and um, we're gonna, what we're ultimately going to be talking about is an organization for business leaders uh, in in the larger Sioux Falls area. Um, and, and at a conference they're going to be participating in this summer. But I want to start talking about you, Joe. Who are you? Well, Chris, thanks for the uh, wonderful introduction. <laughs> um, I'm a North End kid from Sioux Falls here, and I grew up as a cathedral parishioner. With, so, uh, real, real quick, what's North End mean? North End to Sioux Falls. That means you grew up in the cathedral district, okay. basically, up right. on the hill there. Um, and so I come from a large Catholic family on the bottom half of that family. Got a twin brother, John, and... Uh, uh, another brother, Paul, who both became Catholic priests. And so that's uh, oftentimes how people uh, are familiar with the name as well. But there is a bunch of us. So in Sioux Falls, there's, you know, kids going through schools since the 80s. So there's at some point, you know, time reference, uh, most people 50 and under went to school with a brother or sister right. of mine if they were in Catholic education. And so we grew up in the North End here. I ended up in seminary when I was uh, coming out of high school and spent four years in seminary up in St. Paul at St. Thomas, and then decided that discerned that the Lord wasn't calling me to the priesthood. And, and just real quick, I mean, you, you just changed your past participle, whatever that was, the verb there decided to discern. So just, well, I think speak it, to that. yeah. So there's a tendency in the world to think that everything happens because we just simply make a decision that we don't want to yep. do something. And, uh, the vo a vocation isn't that way a vocation is something that the lord calls you to and what you do as a young man or a young woman is you spend time in prayer and formation with other people that assist you in discerning whether or not god's calling you to a certain vocation and in re reference to the seminary uh you go into studies and prayer and reflection and formation and with the assistance of some other priests uh you discern whether or not that's what god's calling you to and you know i I made a kind of, I, I told the Lord when I went in that if it ever wasn't for me, that I needed to know quickly yeah. that I didn't want to, there's sometimes you watch young men spend a long period of time trying to say, oh, is this or isn't this for me? And I just was all in as if it was for me. 
And I told the Lord that if at some point it wasn't, that I just wanted him to make that a quick, a quick decision. And literally it was, uh, it was on a plane flight where I remember just thinking, you know what, this isn't, this isn't where the Lord's calling me. And so I finished my college, uh, at St. Thomas with a degree in Catholic studies and decided to, uh, pursue, uh, a career outside of seminary. So before we, we get on to, to, what, to what that career was, um, <clears throat> looking a little bit more, just as you were talking about that, uh, a couple of questions came to mind. So one thing to make clear, uh, seminary for those, for, for young men who enter seminary out of college, out of high school, rather, you spend four years of, of minor seminary, yep. usually learning philosophy typically, yep. and then four years of major seminary. So really it's a, usually typically an eight year process. You discerned out during the first four first years. First four years. And so, uh, in, in, from a time reference for most people, that's where you would do your undergraduate yep. work. And so I do have an undergraduate degree in Catholic studies along with uh, philosophy, as you had mentioned, and theology. And so that's where you get that base uh, formation, but it's just like an undergraduate degree. And then say somebody wants to go uh, get a doctorate or something like that, they're going to get a master's degree and a doctorate. That would be like the second right. four years for, uh, for becoming a priest. So what maybe a lot of people don't realize is seminarians first out of high school, they didn't do any, they don't spend any, really, they don't do any theology or very little theology for the first four years. It's all learning philosophy. To be yeah. Sure. Yeah. To some degree. And with, with my degree in Catholic studies, it was a little bit right, different, right. but many of the guys that I went to seminary with got uh, business degrees or biology degrees, or there's, I have a buddy that's an engineer. And so what it permitted you to do in the first four years was to go as if you're going to college, but instead of going back to somebody, it, back, your dorm room isn't just a regular dorm room on campus. It's a seminary where you're receiving formation. And so, yeah, m many of the guys do have uh, other degrees. I chose to get a Catholic it's studies degree. degree and to kind of have a little bit more of a theological focus on the bottom end simply because it was an interest of right. mine. So when you, um, when you went into seminary, uh, I'm curious about this because we both, you more formally than me, but um, I had a reversion experience early in college and discerned the priesthood for a while. Um, did you go into seminary because that's what uh, faithful young Catholic men do? Or did you really have a desire or were you pressured? How did you enter seminary? Uh, if I, if I don't mind asking in a very public forum. <laughs> yeah, no. And, you know, I have a conversion story kind of like you spoke about. In high school, I wasn't, uh, I guess, to say the best of kids. Um, I was definitely a wayward child and the prodigal, prodigal child. And I a conversion experience March, March 1st, 1996, much like a Protestant would describe uh, being saved. And that process began for me a relationship with Jesus Christ who for the first time became a real entity to me and not just something that I did on Sunday or I studied or read about, but a person that I was in relationship to. And in coming to know more about my faith and the saints and the church and vocations and these types of things, I encountered net ministries and I decided yep. to do a traveling re retreat oh. ministry. Yep. And, uh, interestingly enough, they had decided that I wasn't far enough away from, my conversion experience, they thought that it would be better for me to be in a different environment. And that was St. Paul's outreach, which was Catholic Christian households. Right. And so they said, why don't we get you into a Christian household and then we'll give you a job as our janitor until you can figure something else out. And so I thought, you know what, that's great. So I actually was the a janitor for a period of time. 
And I moved to uh, St. Paul without knowing anybody. There's a few people up there that I had previously known, but they were leaving at the end of the summer, Steve Castle and some other uh, sure. friends of mine. Uh, and so I started in the, the fall of 1998, and the only person that I knew was my brother Paul, hmm. who was in seminary in his last year at St. Thomas in that minor seminary. And so literally, I, if I wanted to feel to get away and to kind of get a break where I could relax, the only person I could go hang out with was, was my brother, brother in seminary. Right. Wow. <laughs> so I thought, well, the last place I want to go hang out and watch football games in the seminary, right? Now I had all the prototypical <laughs> stereotypes yep. of a seminarian, right? Yep. yep. And so here I end up over there hanging out and I realized, wow, these guys are pretty awesome. There was, uh, I just think of people like Father Paul Hazing and I could go on and on about the guys that were in seminary with my brother and how awesome they were. And they had a flag football team that was very good at the university. And, uh, they were athletes. And for me, that was kind of important because that was my identity for much of my high school career. And so I put value in that, whether that's right or wrong, yep. but I saw, Hey, these, these are, these are talented guys that are in the seminary. They're, they're guys that I enjoyed being around. And so over the course of that year, I kind of began thinking, well, you know, I could do this. Yep. And I just made a decision that, uh, you know what, I think that this would be a good place for me with the assistance of Archbishop Carlson, who was our bishop at the time. He just really fostered it. He never, never, I never felt pressured, but he just always created an environment where young men were able to freely choose to discern their vocation in seminary, and it felt normal. And right. that for me was the good part, was it was just normal. And I went to a university like everybody else, but at the same time, instead of, you know, the other things that you might do at college, we were in formation discerning whether or not to be priests. So no, there was never any force. It was really just the Lord opening doors. You know, I'd have to give a lot of credit to my brother Paul and to Archbishop Carlson. Okay. Do, does does Father Paul know that? Uh, to some degree, right? He does now. It. Yeah, he, he will. <laughs> <laughs> so no, and, and uh, you know, it's one of those things where I'm pretty sure he realized his little brother's up there in the city with him and has no friends. Right. Um, and for better, or for worse, he's not the kind of guy to pressure, but he is the kind of guy to keep a door open and make yep. sure that I knew I was I was uh, able to come and hang out if cool. needed. So okay. So so you you entered seminary and you talked earlier about your you discern you didn't decide you discerned out of seminary yeah. uh, and went down this other path that led you into. Well, when I left, I um, I actually graduated, and anybody that's graduated in a, a after a fall semester knows that. It puts you at a different um, career pace than those that graduate in May. Uh, there isn't the large quantity of people seeking employment at the same time right. you are. Right. But at the same time, depending upon the industry you're going into, yep. employers aren't looking for yep. people at that time either. Yep. And I had a Catholic studies degree and a minor in philosophy and theology. So it's like, well, what are you going to do with that? <laughs> I literally, I literally did not know what I was going to do. And so uh, I got a brother in construction, and I had grown up doing construction with my father, and so I spent some time doing construction for the spring semester, that spring after graduation, and then it just so happened maybe about June, maybe even as, as deep into July, O'Gorman High School in Sioux Falls here had a campus minister slash uh, theology teacher uh, move to another position, and they were in need of a teacher. Somebody called me up and said, hey, there's a position open. Would you be interested in applying? I applied and uh, kind of went into the meeting saying I 
don't have an education background, but I do have a heart for the Lord. I do have, uh, I got a number of, I think, teachings in my family. And uh, so I, th- I said, I'm willing to learn. And I guess that was good enough for them. And it uh, it was a great, great blessing. So I spent the next 10 years teaching. 10 years. Yep, yep. Teaching uh, senior apologetics, defense of the faith, and uh, junior ethics to uh, O'Gorman students. So anything about... Um and, and that's not what you're doing now. So this is something now that's in the past. Anything about that experience that really um, shaped, formed you? You're obviously, you're a teacher. You're doing the forming. Yeah. But I think a lot of teachers have the experience that they also get formed in that. Mm-hmm. So looking back, how did that, uh, in what ways did that shape or form you for what was laying ahead for you in the future? Yeah, and I, I look back now at just any random number of events um, and all the way back to my conversion. And I believe that they've all led me to where I'm at today. And I think that's probably true for most people or many people, if you look at, look at it. And what I learned in education, number one was that education is more than simply preaching at people or, or, or talking to people, but it's a, there's a pedagogy, there's a methodology, there's a, there's a way in which formation occurs. It's not random, and if you don't plan and prepare and have a large-scale macro vision of what you're trying to accomplish, uh, you most likely aren't going to arrive at your destined end. Right. So just how to be a teacher, really. The second thing was that I loved and had a heart for young people. I coached for 10 years. Uh, I, I coached basketball, baseball. But I realized that my real heart was in, uh, if you will, preaching and teaching the Catholic faith and selling the faith. And in doing so, that I preferred working with adults. Right. I had a parent, uh, Julie Coleman, God bless her heart. She kept saying, hey, you need to teach this class that you're teaching to my boy to me. And after a couple of years, I decided, well, maybe I could teach this in the summer. And teachers have summer jobs. I painted for a number of years and did some other things. Maybe I could get, you know, 15 people to give me a few bucks to teach them uh, the, the courses I was teaching to the kids at O'Gorman. And lo and behold, I, I opened up my first adult apologetics class that's uh, in the summer and 65 people signed right. up. And I thought, wow, this is, this is great. Not only, I mean, what, it really real, what I realized was how many adults are starving and thirsting for authentic Catholic faith, for, for substance to begin with milk and, and then to grow into substantial uh, feeding of what it is to be Catholic, who it is to be Catholic. So after that first year, I did that for a number of years, and it really developed into a more of an adult ministry. And uh, it, in many ways, I don't know how it all came about, but the rector of the cathedral, Father Thomas Fitzpatrick, um, who was in seminary at the same time I was, incidentally, uh, came and took me out to eat and said, hey, you know what, would you ever be interested in parish ministry and working with our parish families and with our adults? And I, you know, thought about it a little bit, and I thought, you know what, this is this is what the Lord, I believe, is calling me to. It's where my heart was at. And so three years ago, I made uh, the full transition from teaching at O'Gorman to uh, director of faith formation at the Cathedral Parish. I remember um, over the last uh, few years when you were teaching at O'Gorman, You'd stop by every now and then um, and, and comment on how, because 
my for the listeners, my, my day job is director of adult discipleship and evangelization for the diocese. And you just ex, you were recognizing the need and expressing your own desire to work with adults. And, and then you started doing that in the summers. Um, and I remember you said, you know, you said, boy, I'd love your job. So mm-hmm. it, it's still mine, Rutten. Don't just... <laughs> I'm not coming for it, <laughs> um, and and uh, I, although I was uh, told not to to call you Doctor Bergwald, uh, I don't have that doctorate. And you know, I realize as well, uh, Chris, that there, are, when Scripture says that there are teachers and there are preachers yep. and there are, like, if you really look at that Scripture, it's interesting the the way in which they divide and dice out we would typically lump a lot of those things together and just say, oh, they're an evangelist, a teacher, a preacher, that they're all kind of the same thing, and they're really not. Right. Yeah. And so when I look at who I was and what I'm doing, the divide, The question was, Joe, are you an, an academic? Yep. And should you move toward a collegiate profession of teaching at a collegiate level, or are you uh, an evangelist? And what I mean an evangelist is, are you a person that seeks to be on the forefront, on the front lines of engaging people in the faith, wherever it is that the Lord calls you? Uh, and so that's kind of where I kind of see myself as more of as a, a preacher evangelist, um, an inspirer, an encourager. And from that encounter with me, hopefully I can spark the flame. Yep. And then from there, they're able to move on to the big dogs, right, right. the Doctor, the Doctor Bergwalds of the world, yeah, sure, whatever. where they can get the uh, the real intellectual. Formation. I have to say, by the way, I, there's a, a a friend and actually colleague of mine here at the diocese who um, I don't know if it was the first summer, one of the first summers you taught the apologetics course, just raved about mm-hmm. it, and I, I'm sure I, I'm I'm sure you got good positive feedback, but I I know that I heard. Uh, very good things about the course that you taught for those summers. You know, I I was really blessed because what it did was it allowed me to experience affirmation when I needed it to know making that career transition. And many people out there listening have made career transitions. And um, when, when they're forced upon you by employers, it's like you're thrown into the breach and you're in there. Uh, When you have to make that decision on your own, it's, it's different and it can be a little there can be a, a, a tendency to stall and to, 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 and so anyway, I was able to realize that I was able to do something that other people on the, the receiving end were very affirmative of and kind of encouraging to say, you know what, this is something that you're pretty good at and that I've enjoyed being a part of. And if you did go off and do some other ministry or a, a adult ministry or parish ministry, uh, you do great at it. And so that gave me yeah. the encouragement to say, you know what, I not, I believe that it's the Lord working through other people speaking to you saying, yep, this is what I want to do. Not giving me interlocutions and, but <laughs> saying, you know what, Dr. Bergwald thinks that you're pretty good at what you do. Maybe you can do that. And it, it was a good decision. So yeah, there, uh, there are a number of people that I came across that I didn't realize actually were in the building here until I got here and started working. And then all of a sudden I ran across people like Renee and uh, it's like, Oh, all right now. And now it all makes sense. And it was coming together. How Chris was getting his information. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't name names. He had an insider. (laughs) So, so we've got about uh, seven minutes left in the episode, Joe. And there are a couple, well, yeah, two things, I guess I I alluded to one at the beginning. uh, Well, both of them actually of today's episode, one of the initiatives in particular that, that you've started 
not really as part of your job here at the cathedral, but since you've come to parish ministry at the Cathedral of St. Joseph um, is as, as a fraternity. Yep. You start a fraternity, but that's pretty, well, I don't know. <laughs> Back to college. <laughs> <laughs> what is it that I'm talking, what we're talking, what am I alluding to? Yeah. Let's speak a little bit about it. So in my work teaching, I saw two needs. One, I saw a desperate need for men's ministry. And the other thing that I saw in the broad spectrum of seminary and, and school and being in Sioux Falls and around the diocese was that we had a tremendously faithful business community that was tremendously generous. But I kind of always thought to myself, what in turn is the church offering back to that community for formation? To, much who, to whom much has been given, much will be expected. And so I thought, you know, there's a real desire for this business community to receive formation themselves. right? And so coupling those two concepts together, I started a Catholic men's business fraternity where it could do two things. One, it could be a hub of formation for men in the faith. And two, it could be a place in which programming could flow from for the larger Catholic business community in Sioux Falls in the metro area, but also for the entire diocese. And you know, Chris, I, I have a large vision and in We'll see what the Lord's plan is, but I think it can be a regional type of an operation where this business fraternity is a new model or a new method in light of the new evangelization that we speak of so often uh, for trying to integrate faith and work, to try and integrate our, our Catholic faith and the principles that animate it into how it is that we live and move on our daily basis at work and at home. How do we be better husbands, fathers, spouses, wives, mothers, you know, and these are questions that people are really hungering to try and answer. So the Catholic Men's Business Fraternity was started uh, a couple years back, and we've uh, been in the process of formation for about three years. We rolled out our first uh, Catholic Men's uh, Mass and Breakfast Reflection this past year. We had two of those, very successful, very well received. And you can watch those on the Lamb Catholic Radio. We had those video recorded. And then for the next spectrum the programming outreach for the larger catholic business community this summer we will have our first annual faith and business conference um, we're dovetailing with the support of the diocese this year on friday uh, from 11 to 5 30 uh, on august 14th to kind of at the pre the pre uh, large legacy event we will have a faith and business conference first annual we're really excited about it we've got a couple of great speakers coming in we're blessed to have Archbishop Carlson. He's going to be back just for a little bit, and he's able to give us a lunch and reflection at the business and, and faith the, the faith and business conference. We're really excited about that. It's going to be a great program, and it's going to be a kickoff that I hope everybody comes in, in our Catholic business communities from around the entire diocese, and they're a part of that Friday morning, and it just leads and rolls right into the tremendous legacy event that the diocese has uh, put together with the help of so many people for August 14th to the 16th. So go get registered for it. And uh, the Faith and Business Conference is a separate registration uh, fee on top of everything. It's outside of the programming, but don't let that deter you. It's going to be worth every dollar. Yeah, and so briefly, you can find out more information about the whole Legacy event at sfcatholic.org slash legacy. You can find information there about the Faith and Business what, what, Conference. Faith, yeah. faith and Business Conference. Um, and we're going to, Joe, next week, uh, we'll talk more about both the fraternity um, and, and, and 
the the faith and business conference. I want to do back up. I want to back up though a little bit and talk a, a bit more about the the origins of, of the fraternity and mm-hmm. and your desire for what. it First of all, I think it's a great at what you articulated that that sketch about how to integrate your faith into your work, but really your entire life. life. It's a beautiful thing. I mean, that For years, one of the things um, that's really struck me about, about a priority that the church has set forth in our time, and by our time, I mean the last 50, 60 years, is really bridging that divide between the, the faith we profess and the lives we live. That's something going back to Vatican II, 50 years ago, Pope Paul VI, 40 years ago, called us to, to integrate our faith and our lives. Mm-hmm. And for most of us, you know, guys like you and I, we, we work for the church in a, in a professional capacity, but for all of us, th- those who are Catholic, just lay people, we're called to be the leaven in the world. Yeah. They're the ones who, even more than you, are on the front lines. Yeah. I mean, there's there's diocesan ministry, parish ministry, but then there's lay Catholics living in the world, their workplace, their recreation place, the mall, the grocery store. How do we live our faith out in those places? So I think it just that 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 genesis, that impetus, is a beautiful thing. Yeah, the uh, the decree of the apostolate of the laity from uh, Paul VI and really speaks to this. And and the core group of guys that we got together to to begin the formation of this program all read that apostolate of the laity. You're welcome, by the way. Yeah, thank you, Chris. <laughs> like I said, Chris, you're the big dog. I, I'll I'll get them in and then I'll send them to you. Um, but in the in the the decree, it talks about being leavened to the world, right? And that's our responsibility. And so our speakers, even at the conference, can speak to some of this. But as Catholics, we often put too much responsibility on our priests. Yep. For our for our own faith lives, yep. for that matter. But we're all baptized priest, prophet, and king. And so what the fraternity at its core is seeking to do is to encourage the laity to rise up to the responsibilities of their own vocation as lay in the church and called to be leavened in the world, they're on the front lines. And so what we seek to do is we seek to form priests in the community according to their baptismal promises, according to their baptismal graces as priests. Now that doesn't mean in an ordained manner. That means in a manner where they're called to anoint what it is that they touch in the community and then the culture on a daily basis. And when I thought about it, I thought, you know what? The real priests, lay priests, are our business people. Yep. And so when I thought, let's let's do this. Let's take and let's form a group that can form the laity within our business community. And from there, I believe that it's a real opportunity for the culture to embrace the ideals of the Catholic faith and to find them infused within the societies in which we lived for the full flourishing of human society as God intends it to be. And we're going to seek to do that in a new way right here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and in the diocese. I think it's a beautiful thing. And what you, you know, we are baptized in Christ as priest, prophet, and king. All of us, every person who's yep. baptized. So how do we live that out? How do we do that? What does that mean for me as Joe Catholic, Jane Catholic? Well, you, so if you, if you look at the role of, of priests and what it means to be a priest— there's a lot of that we could go into this for a long time, but I think the reality is is that a priest do two things: they anoint and sacrifice, and that's what we're called to do. Amen. And we'll talk more about this next week and next week's episode. Uh, but that will wrap up this episode of Ignition. Again, you can email us at ignition at sfcatholic.org or tweet to us sfdiocese hashtag ignition when any thoughts, questions, or our topics for future episodes. Thanks, Joe. You're welcome, Chris. 
Thanks for listening. You can find archives of this and past episodes online at sfcatholic.org. Click on Media and then Audio Files. You can also subscribe to the Ignition Podcast in the iTunes Store. Remember to tune in every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. on Lamb Catholic Radio at 91.3 FM in Hartford and 104.3 LPFM Juan Diego Catholic Radio in Sioux Falls and on 88.9 FM in Ipswich and Aberdeen or online at lambradio.com.